0: My name is Meryl Dubrow, CEO of Mark Research. I'm a 35-year veteran of the research and insights community and the host of our podcast, On The Mark. On The Mark is focusing on executives and thought leaders in the world, sharing their insights, strategies, and personal experiences. I promise this podcast will be filled with tough, pointed questions with real, insightful, and emotional answers. Today, we are all in for a real treat. Three guests, three professionals I have the utmost respect for, and three legends in the Insights community. Today's guest, Dave Rosting, CEO of RTI and the former chairman of the board of the Insights Association. Dave, welcome to On The Mark. Thank you, Meryl. Glad to be here. Next, we have Tere Schroeder, head of U.S. Commercial and Shopper Insights for Kellogg Company and a current board member of the Insights Association. Teray, welcome to the On The Mark podcast.
1: Thank you, Meryl. Happy to be here.
0: All right, here we go. We don't have enough time to give a big shout out to Steve Schlesinger, my brother, CEO of Schlesinger Group and the chair of MREF, Steve, welcome to the On The Mark podcast. Great to be here, Meryl. All right. I pride myself. It's unscripted, unrehearsed, and clearly uncensored. So let's just get into it a little bit. I mean, we want this podcast to be all about 2020. And what has changed? And how have you approached it? And what's your leadership strategy been? So... You know, in, in terms of my day, I'll start, it's changed a little bit from actually the time I wake up, I actually start working at about 5am now, sometimes as early as quarter to five. And it's much more about cash flow, obviously checking the bank account receivables and all that stuff. And I kind of knock off a little earlier than normal, maybe about 330 ish. And then I'll pick it back up around 6, 615 because I try to get some fresh air. Steve, how's your day changed in the last seven or eight months during the pandemic?
2: Uh, I'd say that the day has changed primarily by the fact that the day is the day every day. There's no more Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I just call it day. It's Saturday and Sundays are no different. The t- daytime, nighttime are no different. It just feels like everything is just a big blur and you know, pretty much working whenever and all the time.
0: Interesting. Mr. Rothstein, what about yourself? What's changed for you?
2: Yeah. In addition
3: to what Steve just said, which I would uh, agree with 100 percent, the biggest change is that I don't see anybody anymore. Right. I mean, we're all our whole office of 50 people. We're all working remotely, although I'm here in the office and actually one or two people do come in. But for me, almost my entire job is one on one or one on several communications all day long. And of course, everything now is either phone or Zoom. And that's um, taken, I think, a fair amount of adapting to that, both on my side and, and the team side. So that's one of the biggest changes, or maybe the biggest change in kind of the day to day work-life.
0: Yeah. Interesting. Trey, are you guys and your team back in or you on a skeleton crew or are you all working from home now?
1: We are, um, corporately, pretty much everyone is working from home. You can come into the office and we've got all of the kind of cleaning protocols. I'm actually in today. Today is actually the first time I've been in since early March. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm, wow. I'm the only one I think. So yeah. So I think most of us have been working remotely um, and pretty successfully.
0: Wow, interesting. You know, obviously we we all have something in common which which we've all been attached to the old either MRA or the Insights Association, right? So, and unfortunately, no conferences. I think the last conference I went to may have been Quarks in early March. Um and everything obviously has been Zoom meetings or virtual or whatever. But how, Dave, Steve, how, how have your marketing materials and approach changed over the last seven, eight months? Because I'm sure you had a, like I did, you have a marketing budget that was probably tens of thousands of dollars for in-person and travel. And now nobody's going anywhere. Dave, how, how have you approached that? Are you doing different stuff?
3: Yeah, we are and a lot of it actually is a bigger focus on growing our business within our current clients and our closer in prospects because as as you said, without in-person conferences it is so much more difficult to really effectively reach folks that that we don't already know. So, while there have been broader marketing campaigns via, let's say, email and and some of the virtual conferences have found a, a pretty good effectiveness uh in in reaching out and expanding communications with, like I said, close and prospects. And a lot of what we're doing is focused around, uh, I guess, what you'd call storytelling and really driving meaning uh, of research. So by meaning, we mean f- something that can be communicated simply and acted upon effectively. And we kind of view that as the maybe the next level of, of insights. So we've been, been focused on that, spreading the word on that. Uh, and and using, of course, uh, electronic and, and video means since we can't use personal means.
0: Yeah, no, that's some good stuff. I mean, Steve, I, I there's not a day that goes by where I don't get an email from Schlesinger Associates in terms of you know a promoting one of your services. And obviously, last week you had Amplify, so you you guys partnered with. You know, Adam Froman and his team at Delvinia, which is amazing. Can you talk a little bit about the strategy and the motivation behind that and even the success of that?
2: Like Dave said, I, I think it's, you know, it's definitely challenging to be in con- connection and engaged with your clients compared to what existed pre COVID. So you are looking for alternative means to do that, whether that is you know, having video chats or even the occasional where you can actually see a client and maybe grab coffee or meet at, you know, socially distant uh, location. But the, the the conference that we did was actually really a, a great idea. And, you know, I give credit to the Delvinia guys who really came up with it and then included us in the process. And, uh, you know, I, I'd say that the best part about it was, you know, we got to be involved with something that was global in nature. You know, we did this over four time zones, you know, ran 24 hours straight. We had about 700 plus people who registered and probably I'd say, you know, closer to four or 500 that actually participated because we did have some drop off, which is expected. But I'd say overall, I think people were really happy with the content. And what we did that was different than many other virtual events that have gone on over the last eight or nine months is... We tried to take an approach where it wasn't just solely about insights, but it was really around tech and innovation and marketing related to insights. So, a little bit of a different angle or a spin on it to try to get some fresh content and maybe some different presenters in the mix. I think we had about 70 plus presenters over the 24 hours. So, we were we really happy about it? And I think also, I would just add to that, I mean, yeah, it's great for our brand and great for our team um, in terms of their involvement and you know the people that we interact with. But I also think there's another element of this, which is that we're all just trying as leaders in the industry to figure out ways where we can create environments where our friends, our colleagues, our clients can interact. I mean, we're all hungry and thirsty for this, and it's really challenging. Um, you know, me being, you know, very much a client guy and enjoying my time with my clients, these last eight or nine months have been really challenging. So, you know, anything I can get that, that leads me in that direction, it's a blessing.
0: Hey, Steve, let me ask you a follow-up question. So let's say it's it's uh I've seen the future and we're in 2022 and the pandemic is a thing of the past. There's a there's many, many vaccines, and it's it's not an issue anymore. Do you think that you'll continue that strategy, or was this a one-shot deal, hey, we did this during the pandemic, and no, we're not going to put on virtual conferences down the road?
2: I think virtual conferences are here to stay. I think that they're not here to stay in the, in, the, in the volume that we've seen, and surely people can't wait to get back in person. But I think that there is an element to the virtual construct that is really helpful so, for instance, you know, there are people who have budget constraints who can't get out. There are, are you know, sort of global events that people can participate in. The idea that you can, you know, grab people from various parts of the world or in various sort of, you know, sort of job descriptions that can come and participate together. I think there's value there. And I also think there's a number of platforms that are really you know, helpful to get that done. You know, I, I do think it's going to be part of our future, and I hope it's a balance between that and in-person. I, mean, I surely miss the in-person and, and the value of those casual conversations that you can only have at
0: conferences
2: and summits versus the virtual events.
0: No, well said, well said, and I totally agree. Hey, Trey, I've got to ask you, um, during the last seven, eight months with the pandemic, are you just getting inundated from suppliers and from salespeople, I mean, the phone continued to ring, email after email after email.
1: You know, a little bit. I think it's it's died down a bit lately. Uh, it was a lot worse, I think, in the in the peak in the in the spring. A lot of emails, as you said, and um, and honestly, I would say a lot of aggressive emails. Find a little off putting.
0: (laughs) Like what? Hey, don't mention name terrain. We want provocative here. Don't mention a company, please. If you want to mention a a letter, but but when you mean aggressive, like what is taking it too far?
1: Like when they'll they'll send an email, but then they'll send another email and you know push on like you know why aren't you answering my emails or you know, just kind of a very aggressive, um, I've sent you three emails now, you know, you need to reply, kind of very, very kind of aggressive directives on, on why we're not replying and things like that. Yeah, I think that side has been a little off-putting.
0: You know, it's funny. I get emails and I actually read a lot of the emails, um, not because I'm lonely and I want to have discussions with salespeople all day, but because I'm looking for what the marketing tactic they're taking is. The ones that, that that I find amusing and irritating the most are, hey, Meryl, I spoke to somebody on your team last week. They told me to call you. Or, hey, Meryl, we met at a conference Two weeks ago in Brussels, and you told me to call you. I'm like, I wasn't even there. What are you talking about? I mean, you guys getting that stuff too, Dave?
3: Absolutely, yeah, tons every day, and uh, yeah, very. Like Teray said, it's it's all kinds of tactics are are attempted, and it's unfortunate, and a lot of them, you know. Especially, I'm sure Steve and Merrill, you get the same too, because we run businesses. A lot of them are not even insights related. It's from all kinds of potential business service providers, and yeah, it's and that's part of the reason why, from our marketing standpoint, we're not doing that because it's just not. We don't want to be lumped in with with that group. But from an insights perspective, I do think that that's not new to our industry, which is unfortunate because that taints the water for, for everybody trying to put out. What, and hopefully are useful communications useful sales and marketing emails that might actually provide value and, and generate generate a call and it's interesting like even the way Tour characterized it earlier uh, you know it's not so bad now and it's you know it's unfortunate that we as an industry uh, have, have gotten to the place where those kinds of emails are categorically negative and, and it doesn't have to be that
0: way. Yeah, I totally agree.
2: Do you mind if I ask Tarek a question? Oh, please do. Please do, Steve. Tarek, you know, one of the things I'm interested in, because I do, you know, I think we all feel that deluge of lots of emails coming in and many of them just sort of call it the cold call via email. What, if anything, sticks out to you in terms of something that catches your eye or is more interesting to you in terms of you know, an email from someone who might not necessarily be a good friend or or a good colleague of yours.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that question because I, I think there are some really good approaches. And I think the one the one thing that always stands out to me is when when people will will email but then they'll have some information and whether that's like a study they saw or an article on something, you know, a category that we participate on or so they're like sharing some information like, hey, I saw this, I thought you might be interested or, you know, I have some thoughts on it. Or if they've, you know, done some syndicated research where they're like, hey, we just, you know, ran this on Pop-Tarts and saw this, this and that. So I think that when you when they lean forward with kind of like Hey, I'm, I'm understanding your business or I'm seeing what's happening in your industry. And like, I have a perspective on that. And I think that you might be interested in that, you know, to me, I think that falls more into the relationship building camp and less in the like telemarketing of email where they're just kind of barraging you with, with, you know, emails every single day. So to me, it's like how they bring that kind of value add perspective, um, is, is the emails that I'll, that I'll read and pay attention to.
0: And I think Steve, Dave, the same question, I assume that's true for you guys, because we get hundreds of emails a day. And those are the ones that, that kind of get through to me, Hey, I know you do this in your business. And I'm like, Whoa, I actually do. And, and is the same true for you guys, Dave.
3: Yes, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, you know, the percentage of those types of emails are tiny, right? I mean, so, and and you may even miss it the first time through. But like you, I mean, I don't necessarily read them all, but, you know, I'll at least uh, scan them. I see them before I delete them. And, and something that looks like is from somebody or about something that might actually help or might show some understanding of, of something uh, would certainly be more likely to be opened.
0: Yeah. Teray. let me ask you this. So I assume you're you're probably working a lot on budgets and on strategy, I assume for 2021. Um, How and what has changed for you? So from a year ago, types of projects, what are you focusing on that maybe a year ago or even eight months ago, you didn't with the direction of the insights department that you run?
1: Interesting. I, I think a lot has changed. So, um, you know, being in a mature, developed CPG, inter- you know, industry, it's pretty routine, right? Like, we have very routine processes and planning schedules. And, and this year is is shaking that up a lot and changed a lot of the very simple processes, even just kind of like a category forecast for next year. In any other previous year, we would come up with category forecast, kind of set it and forget it, right? And now we're saying, okay, we need to revisit that like every month (laughs) because things are changing so much. So it's changed our entire planning process. So, you know, I think the routineness of day-to-day business has given way a whole lot to a need to squeeze in more agile processes and and be able to flex those a lot more. So um, it's actually really different. It's really different from a planning process. And like I said, it's a lot more touches than we would normally have, um, which creates obviously a lot more work and the need to be a lot more flexible and a lot more
0: fast. I find your business fascinating because, you know, I'm a guy who has ADD to the nth degree, and I love to go into CVS and to Walgreens because, frankly, it's, it's only eight aisles or whatever it is. And I can get my little four little items and I'm in and out quickly. Right. And, and there's probably this perception wrongly that being in a pharmacy is a little bit more sanitized than a grocery store. Right. And because it's, you know, safer, who knows, but I got to believe I'm buying a little bit more food than I am in a, in a pharmacy than I ever did. Right. Is your business, I mean, are you selling more pop tarts and more cereal in in um, pharmacies than you did eight,
1: nine months ago? It's kind of everywhere. We've sold, you know, food is kind of up everywhere. Um, I, I don't think we've seen like a disproportionate growth, like from, a, from drug as a channel. We've actually seen more larger baskets. So people buy, you know, people used to go to the store two or three times a week. And now people are going to the store once or twice in two weeks. And so what, what we've seen from a trips perspective is that all of those little trips have kind of gone away and people have consolidated into that one big trip. So that's kind of been the trend that we've seen through this as people try to kind of stay out of stores and, you know, consolidate trip into, into a bigger
0: one. It's interesting. Well, if you're curious what to send to me for the holidays, just maybe a case of chocolate Pop-Tarts and s'mores would really do it for me.
3: Mm. I'll take the brown sugar or the cinnamon top oh, Pop-Tarts. Okay. Those you're are my
2: favorites.
0: That. Oh, oh ni- nicely played, Dave. And Steve's, Steve's a health nut to You don't have to send him any.
2: Now, the, only, the only thing I want to add to, to this conversation about Pop-Tarts is I want to just make sure that Ture has seen Jerry Seinfeld's bit on Pop Tarts that he doesn't stand up.
1: I don't think I have. Oh you don't have to send that to yes, me. Yes, I will.
2: I will. It's actually very funny. Okay.
0: Is there a line
2: in there or a joke in there, Steve? You could share? He refers to the Pop Tarts when they when they came out in the 60s, I guess it was is how he refers to it. He goes, you know, they would hold them up, the two boxes up, like they were the Ten Commandments. Like all of a sudden something had been created that was beyond belief. It was like Moses came down with these two boxes of Pop Tarts, and, and it was one of the
1: greatest inventions of all time. It's a very funny. Thing. Well, it is kind of one of the greatest inventions.
0: I don't of all disagree. Time. I don't disagree. Hey guys, I want to switch gears a little bit. I want to talk about leadership. I'm going to make a statement, and I'm going to say it's it's true for all four of us. I think we're all better leaders now than we were eight or nine months ago because of what we've gone through. Steve, when you think about that, why is that statement true for you? Why are you a better leader now? And do you believe that statement um, than you were eight months ago?
2: Oh, I I think that anytime you go through challenges like you're going through, it it sort of tests your ability to read situations, to react appropriately, to employ empathy and consideration. And you know, that's across the board. That's to your team, to your clients, to partners, you know, in my case, to respondents and participants, you know, I think you correct yourself and you learn a lot about, you know, your capability. And I actually think you come out much stronger in the end. You know, there are silver linings in these things. You know, they may not exist today, but they'll exist down the road. Um, and, it, and it also really gets you focused. You know, you focus in on what's really important. You know, you create a different level of discipline. Um, and I think all of those things are really healthy from a from a leadership perspective and running a business or, you know, a P and L or a category and to raise you know a case versus Dave and I. I think it applies across the board.
0: Yeah, no, that's good stuff, Dave. I know you're a better leader. You get better every day. Why is that?
2: Thank you. Uh, you know,
3: I, again, I agree with everything Steve just said, and, and I guess specifically when you when you go back to when. Uh, it all hit the fan, so to speak. You know, those of us, especially in smaller businesses, in order to be successful, you really kind of had to thread the needle. There were a lot of decisions to make at that, at that time. You know, for us, our second quarter was about 50% of what it was last year. So there was certainly an immediate short-term effect. And then as as a leader, you've got to Kind of decide what's going to happen and, and, and try to make some forecasts and then execute against those forecasts and make decisions about your people uh, to keep or not to keep and the implications of that. And then in how you communicate, I mean, you've got an entire company of people. Everybody is afraid. Everybody, nobody knows what's going to happen. Everybody's afraid for their for their health, for their jobs, for their family, for their future. And I think one of the things that as leaders that I've certainly never had to do before was to play that role of trying to provide comfort and optimism, but also realism, because I was not interested in kind of laying out sort of this picture of the the future that, that was just unrealistic. So there was... I, I view it as kind of like threading the needle, and a lot of decisions had to be made, and in our case, fortunately, at this point, it seems like they were mostly the right decisions uh, and, and we're, we're better for it now than, than we were earlier this year. And and I'll add in, too, kind of playing off what Steve said, and actually what Teresa said before, too, about the way they're managing it at Kellogg, is the whole way of looking at business now is you've got to keep your eye on the ball long-term and continue to plan long-term. But there's really, it's like a 60-day window on the other end that you're really looking at because things throughout this year have changed so rapidly. And to think that that, can't, that may not continue to change that rapidly, I, I think would be a mistake. So we're always kind of, I'm always looking at things just like a month or two a- ahead, and but also balancing that with maybe a year ahead.
0: Yeah, no, good stuff. For those of you who don't know, and those are the listeners that Dave is a second generation researcher. Uh, Mel was an icon in the industry. Do you do you call Mel up and say, "Hey, Dad, I'm uh, struggling with this," or "Hey, have you ever noticed this? How did you handle this? Is there is there any of that going on as well?" Yeah, from time to time, we'll have
3: conversations about it. I'm, I'm actually just funny that you asked because just yesterday uh, I wasn't actually asking for advice, but I shared something with him.
0: he gave you some advice what did he say come on
3: i will say this his client service uh skills are are maybe his perspective is a little bit different than than mine and he's a little bit maybe more direct and um uh, a little bit less Flexible, let's say. So, so uh, yeah. So, I have to take. I think what what he might do in that situation with a with a grain of salt. But it is a good sounding board because you know, obviously, he understands it, and he certainly has my best interest and the company's best interest in mind when when trying to help. And um yeah, so it, it's great to have that resource. But you know, he's happy in West Palm Beach, Florida, living his life. So he's,
0: there you go. Hey, Tere, let me ask you, give me four words that your staff would use to describe you. Four words, your leadership ability. Four words. Oh my gosh. I Um, know. You thought this, hey, listen, I'll tell you what, I will allow you not to answer the question if you send me two cases of (laughs) Pop-Tarts. All
1: right, four words. I would say teamwork. Okay. Vision. Nice. Driven. Wow. I say focus, which is probably related to driven,
0: but no, that's okay. We're going to allow it. So how have you stayed connected to your team? Because you you said this is the first time you're in your office since March. Well, that's, you know, wow, that's eight months ago. So do you have Zoom calls every day, every other day? Are you doing one-on-ones? How are you keeping that culture going?
1: Yeah, we do. So a bit of both. So I do obviously have one-on-ones every week with my direct reports. We have a Monday kind of check-in that's just 30 minutes with the whole team. And it is literally just life stuff. What'd you watch? What'd you do this weekend? Good TV show. So we spend like 30 minutes at the beginning of the week, just kind of connecting, checking in on everyone. We have done a few fun, like happy hour things. Like we've posted, we started a site to post our favorite Thanksgiving recipes and share some of that. So I, I think some of the things that would just naturally happen in the office, we're trying to make sure it happens um, digitally, I guess, or virtually. So um, we're scheduling a virtual, you know, holiday happy hour. So just trying to kind of keep some of that normal connectiveness that's not talking about work, um, but really just, you know. Supporting each other.
0: That's great. Are you are you hiring for next year? Do you think? I mean, is that in the budget to add? I'm just throwing a number here: two or three staff members, or no?
1: So I don't think we have any any plans to add right now. And I think we're we're fully staffed. We we hired a couple of folks this year. So as of right now, terrain knocks on all the wood. <laughs> we're we're currently um, staffed.
0: That's great. Hey Steve, uh, staying on leadership and decision making. What's the best decision you made a year ago that you didn't realize would be a, a godsend because of the pandemic? Anything jump out at you?
2: Yeah, two things. Uh, they're called Market Cube in Twenty Twenty, the two companies we.
0: Well, there bought. you go. <laughs> you mean the two the two companies you bought during the pandemic <laughs> that most people think you're nuts?
2: Yeah, both, <laughs> both grounded in um, digital or online qual and and uh, you know quant capabilities that really have helped us continue to, you know, perform well during the, the pandemic.
0: Wow. Good call on that. Yeah, that's great. Well, it's interesting, Steve, right? Because you bought FocusPoint, if I'm not mistaken, about 15 months ago. I don't have a calendar in front of me, but I'm going to assume that's pretty close. Um, you know, and then obviously you sold you sold a stake to Gage. And then you bought focus Point, And then obviously during the pandemic, you bought the two companies you mentioned. That probably would have been a different situation if you um didn't sell a stake to Gage, right? I mean, it, it probably would have changed everything.
2: Absolutely. No question about it. I mean, it's hard to predict, you know, how we would have navigated the months for the pandemic and, and what we might have done from an acquisition standpoint. But you know, these were sizable acquisitions. We probably may have done one of them or two of them, but surely not three of them. And, um, and who knows if we would have done any of them and they really have changed the composition of our business and sort of the direction and strategy of our company for the future. So, um, yeah, sometimes, you know, you feel like you're making smart decisions. Sometimes it's just about timing and good luck. Um, yeah, I think that all plays into it and, um, you know, and I'm not, uh, I'm not too proud to say that, that I think our timing and our luck were incredibly um, spot on and it's really helped us uh, navigate the, the challenges of the last eight or nine months and even more important, you know, look to a very bright and, and exciting future.
0: That's great. Hey, Dave, switching gears, give me a 2021 headline for the insights industry, maybe a trend or, or something you believe could or will happen next year. Just anything jump out at you?
3: I think it'll be a pretty good year for for the insights industry. I, I think that in general, with the the latest vaccine news, I think that the the large companies who are generally buyers and, and users of insights, I think will all be feeling uh, we'll be optimistic and and will will be uh, spending. And I think the things, the technologies, the methods. The, uh, the kinds of things that were developed and honed this year out of necessity will, uh, will be leveraged even further next year for, for further growth and, and hopefully further, uh, impact of insights throughout, throughout organizations. Cause certainly that's one thing that we saw and have heard about all, all year long is how important our role so many insights departments played in helping their companies navigate uh, through through COVID, especially in the early days, helping them make decisions. So I think those two things together really form, I, I think, a, a good upcoming year for the industry.
0: That's great. Hey, Trey, final comment from you. What do you say to people who have had a rough go of it in the insights community and even in the business world who are in transition, can't find anything, and are really struggling?
1: Any last minute comments? Yeah, I think... I think just acknowledging that this has just been a tough year. I know a lot of people worry about like gaps in their resume and stuff, but I feel like as a you know person who hires that there'll be a lot of understanding, right, for this year, that there is a lot of fluidity, a lot of transitions and and, a t- and a t- potentially a tough market. So, you know, not to lose hope and not to worry about that time.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Dave, Terrain, Steve, I can't thank you enough for your time today. Thanks for listening. This is the On The Mark podcast. My name is Meryl Dubrow, and have a great day, everyone.